welcome to everyone tonight and to our guests. We welcome you to this Sunday evening service. We are thrilled to have you with us tonight. Pray that you are touched by the presence of the Lord. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25, I'll begin reading with verse number 27. And the boys grew, the boys being Esau and Jacob. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. You know, you, if, you don't have to raise your hand or acknowledge this, but if you are in or feel like you're in a dysfunctional family, I want you to know, if you've ever read your Bible, there is hope for you. Although I have come to the conclusion that all families, all families, mine included, have a level of dysfunction. Some families are dysfunctional families, but all families have a level of dysfunction. But there are some dysfunctional families in the Bible. In fact, and I'm, about, I'm reading about one of them now, but some of the greatest people in the Bible came from some really messed up families. So there's hope for all of us. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint, therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. The dysfunction gets passed down. A brother ought to just be concerned about taking care of his brother. But Jacob sees an opportunity here. Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I want to preach to you for a little bit tonight on this subject, delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. 
Father, thank you again for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you for this opportunity you've given us tonight to freely worship you. Thank you, God, that in spite of all of the chaos and the issues in this nation we live in, we still have this opportunity to express ourselves freely as we believe your word instructs us to. Thank you, God, for this privilege tonight. God, I pray tonight that you would speak to us, that you would minister in this place. I pray, God, that your word would minister to somebody's heart tonight. I pray, God, that you would allow me to be a conduit through which you can speak. God, I don't want to just preach a sermon tonight for the sake of preaching. But, God, I want to be a mouthpiece through which you can speak, Lord. I pray that you would give someone ears to hear and faith to receive tonight what it is you would desire to say to them, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There are, there are things that I don't think any of us can explain about some things in Scripture. We don't have the ability to give an explanation for it. And, and the life of Jacob and Esau, this, this family is one of those things that I don't think we can fully explain because God, from the beginning of their lives, stated that the elder would serve the younger. For some reason, God from the beginning chose that Jacob was going to be the one he favored over Esau. But I am pretty certain that God's plan, if Jacob would have left it to God, would have been a lot different than the way Jacob did it. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't need our help to bring about His promises. He does need us to participate and yield and surrender, but He's not relying on you and I to do it for Him. And somehow Jacob got it in his mind that he needed to take advantage of a moment. I don't think there's any way, not when you understand the nature, the character of God, I don't think there is any way that God intended for Jacob to steal the birthright the way he did from Esau. I don't know what God's plan would have been. I don't know how God would have done it, but I'm pretty certain God would have had another way. But Jacob took matters into his own hands, and another good thing for you and I is God knows some of the things we're going to do that we should not do, some of the choices we're going to make that we shouldn't make, and because of His grace and His mercy, He calculates all of that into the process of our lives. I've said it before, you, you follow your GPS to get someplace, and it tells you to turn here and you miss the turn and as you continue to drive on it'll say recalculating. It's going to find a new route to get you where you were planning to go. You did not make all the right turns the way the GPS initially designated for you to go. And so therefore it has to recalculate. 
Can I tell you, there has never been one time in your life where you took a turn and God went, recalculating. Because while maybe you shouldn't have taken that turn, maybe it was a direction you should not have gone, God knew from the beginning that you were going to go that way. And so from the beginning, God planned that as a part of your path. You don't have to worry about you throwing him off and him giving up because you took a wrong turn and he's got to recalculate. He knew from the beginning that Jacob was going to take advantage of this opportunity to steal the birthright from Esau. So he did. And Esau says, anybody ever felt like you were starving to death? Probably some of y'all right now, after some of y'all had more exercise tonight than you've had in months. <laughs> Starving to death. I need something right now. You get hangry. You've never heard that word. It's a, it's a, you can look it up, it's a word. Hangry. That's the combination of hunger and angry. I know a few people that get hangry. Somehow Esau got it in his mind that I am about to die from starvation. And so Jacob responds and says, I'll give you something to eat, but I want your birthright in return. And Esau, based on the moment, based on the moment, Esau made a decision and he says, what good is a birthright for my future if I'm going to die today. And oh Lord, how many times we get caught up in making decisions in the moment because of the way we view the future and the expectations we have and we make some poor decisions and Esau makes a very poor decision and decides to trade his birthright for one bowl of soup. This idea of a birthright doesn't really mean as much to most of us today as it did in these biblical times. So let me just give you a little bit of context of what the birthright was. According to Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, the birthright was a right, privilege, or possession to which a person, especially the firstborn son, was entitled by birth in Bible times. In Israel, as in the rest of the ancient world, the firstborn son enjoyed a favored position. His birthright included a double portion of his father's assets upon his death. Part of the firstborn's benefits also were a special blessing from the father and the privilege of leadership of the family. Jacob understood the significance of that birthright. He understood the value of somehow getting that birthright. Didn't go about it the way I think he was supposed to, but but he understood, I, I need that. I, any chance I have to get that birthright. F.B. Meyer in his book titled Israel, which is about the life of Jacob, says this, 
the birthright was a spiritual heritage. It gave it gave the possessor, or it get it. Somehow, I, I got my notes messed up here. Sorry. It gave the the owner of the birthright the right of being the priest of the family or clan. It carried the privilege of being the depository and communicator of the divine secrets. It constituted a link in the line of descent by which the Messiah was to be born into the world. The right of wielding power with God and men. The right of catching up and handing on, as in the old Greek race, the torch of messianic hope. The right of heirship to the promises of the covenant made to Abraham. The right of standing among the spiritual aristocracy of mankind. The right of being a pilgrim of eternity, owning no foot on earth because all heaven was held in feet. This and more than this was summed up in the possession of the birthright. Even though there was a natural element to the birthright, there was a spiritual element. As I just read, there was a spiritual element of being a part of the lineage of the Messiah. The one that had the birthright was the one that was going to be able to to be a part of that lineage. And so Jacob understood the value of having this birthright. But one thing I want you to understand tonight was the birthright was not this automatic ticket to a wonderful life. The birthright didn't mean that your path was just going to be laid out before you and it was all going to be paved and the weather was going to be just right and there wasn't going to be any traffic and there wasn't going to be any problems. That's not the what the birthright meant. But the birthright was a guarantee of what was to come. The birthright meant you may go through some ups and downs. You you may have to walk through some difficult valleys. But the birthright means there is something that you can be guaranteed of that you have coming. In fact, the challenge is this. In this typology here of this story of Jacob and Esau. Esau, in fact, enjoyed prosperity quicker than Jacob. He began to enjoy the pleasures of life sooner than the one who had the birthright. He he wasn't poor. Just because Esau traded the birthright... He didn't spend the rest of his life in in poverty. In fact, he was fairly prosperous. Popular Cyclopedia of Biblical Literature says this, the whole of this re-encounter, Jacob coming home and meeting Esau, serves to show that if Jacob had acquired riches... Esau had gained power and influence as well as property. And the homage which is paid to him indirectly and by implication on the part of Jacob and directly and in the most marked and respectful manner by the females and the children of Jacob's family leads to the supposition that he had made himself supreme 
in the surrounding country of Idumea, Idumea. In fact, Genesis 33 and verse 9, as Jacob is coming back to meet Esau and he's worried, don't forget really the reason Jacob left home was Esau. Because he got word from his mother, you, your brother is angry with you and as soon as your dad dies, he's going to kill you. And so Jacob flees for his life and spends all these years away and getting a wife. And he finally comes home. And it's in the process of coming back home. And he begins to think about the fact he's about to encounter his brother who they left on really bad terms. And so the Bible says that Jacob, who now had become fairly prosperous, gathers some things together and sends them as a gift. To Esau, but Genesis 33 and verse 9, Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have to yourself. Now, let me tell you something. You must have a lot for somebody to offer you more and you turn it down. I've never had anybody offer me money and me say, that's all right, I got more than enough. I've never been, I, I, I don't know of anything I've ever been offered that my response was, I have enough. But Esau was so prosperous that he initially turns down the gifts that Jacob is offering to him. So, so again, you, you, you gotta get, you gotta see this. I, I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes I have subconsciously thought, even though I think I knew otherwise, I've subconsciously thought that Esau just spent the rest of his life destitute, poverty, terrible life. Wasn't the case. In fact, Esau, began to get married at 40 years of age. You know those things I said you can't explain, don't understand about the Bible? This is one of those things. Don't ask, don't come set up a counseling appointment and want an explanation from me about them marrying many wives. I don't understand it, I don't get it, I can't figure it out. But at 40, at 40 years old, Esau begins to marry Starts his life. Starts accumulating wealth. We don't know an exact age. The scripture doesn't tell us an exact age. But there are those that putting various things together have estimated the age at which Jacob married Rebecca or Rachel. I always get them confused. Rachel. According to what I've found in my studies, it is estimated that Jacob was somewhere in his late 70s to early 80s. Also read that Rachel was supposedly in her early 20s. That's a whole nother story right there. Esau trades the birthright 
sells his birthright, but seems to begin to prosper sooner than the one that had the birthright. Jacob, it's their, don't forget they're twins. So when Esau started getting married at 40, Jacob was 40. So it is 30 plus years after the one he got the birthright from. 30 years later. What's the point? Why be worried about a birthright then? Why be so concerned with doing whatever you got to do to have the birthright? Again, not only for Esau, it did not mean that the rest of his life was just lived in a terrible condition. But Jacob's life did not suddenly become wonderful just because he got the birthright. F.B. Meyer also says about the birthright, whatever the birthright was, it evidently was not worldly prosperity. For of this, Esau, who lost it, probably had more than Jacob, who won it. Whatever the birthright was, it evidently was not freedom from pain and grief. For these, Jacob, who wanted. who won it, had indefinitely more than Esau, who lost it. Jacob, who won the birthright, dealt with more heartache and pain. I've, I've, I've come, or hopefully the Holy Ghost has come to talk to somebody tonight that... You're, you're looking at the ups and downs that you're going through and, and, and you're looking at some who don't have a birthright and all the things that they've already accumulated while you're waiting and, and they've all, they're already experiencing and, and, and you're waiting for your opportunity. You're waiting for your time to come. The birthright doesn't mean everything's going to happen when you want it to happen, how you want it to happen, where you want it to happen. But what that birthright does mean is that if you will hang on to it and you will trust God it may seem to come a little later than what others get it may seem to be delayed but if you will just hang on to it in due time it's going to come see the problem is this delay or what we think to be delay is a part of God's process It is always a part of God's process. There's always going to be a season you go through where you wonder, is God ever going to do it? Is it ever going to happen? Are my promises ever going to come to pass? Anybody got some promises tonight that you know they're from God, but down deep inside you're starting to wonder, are these ever going to come to pass? Am am I ever going to see God fulfill them? Well, if you'll hang on to them, it may not come when you want it to come. It may not come as quickly as some others get what they've got. But if you will just maintain the right attitude and the 
the right spirit and let God lead you the way God wants to lead you. It may seem to be like there is a delay, but that birthright is giving you a guarantee that there are things that are going to happen, that at the end of the day, there's things that are going to happen for those with the birthright that never happened for those without it. There may be some areas where those without a birthright seem to be better off than those that have it. But when the story is finally over with, you're going to find out there was a, there was a value in the delay. It was worth hanging on that when I didn't think it was ever going to happen, when I didn't think God was ever going to answer my prayer, when I didn't think my ministry was ever going to take off, when I didn't think God was ever really going to use me, I held on to that birthright because it was the guarantee that at some point in time, it will happen. Our problem is, like Jacob, we don't like to wait. And I'm telling you what, we, we, I think in a lot of ways we've been an impatient society, but it's only gotten worse. We don't want to wait on anything. And if we call to get something and they tell us it's going to be longer than we want to wait, we now call the next company. We now look for the next place that's going to do what we want when we want it. I think there's a lot of different reasons why we don't like to wait. One of the reasons we don't like to wait because while we're waiting, we are forced to trust. We're forced to have to decide, am I going to trust the Word from God? Am I going to trust what I know God is doing? Am I going to trust what God has promised? Or am I going to start letting what I see begin to affect my feelings, my emotions? Am I going to let what doesn't seem to be happening? And if we're not careful, we can sabotage God's plan. Take matters into our own hands and try to force something into happening. That's exactly what Abraham did that produced Ishmael. Instead of waiting for God in God's timing to do it God's way, Abraham agreed with his wife and decided, I will help God out. Let me tell you something, friend. The headache that comes from you helping God out is far worse than the struggle of waiting for God to just do it His way. (laughs) Well, God's not doing anything. Let me go ahead and see what I can do. God's not providing. God's not directing. Let 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 me figure out a way. And you can mark it down every single time you do that. The the solution you have, the direction you go, the way you think is to figure out that problem is not going to be God's way. 
So again, birthright. Let me, let me say it this way. I think I could apply it in this context. The calling that's on your life. The guarantee that God has given you that He's going to use you and work through you. That, that does not mean that everything is just going to roll out before you and you're just going to walk down the red carpet strutting into your ministry. <laughs> In fact, there won't be any, the only red that will be on your path is the red from the blood dripping off of you from the wounds that you incur along the way. Because it's not easy. Jacob's life with the birthright was not easy. But it sure was worth it. Because while Esau may have had a season of prosperity before Jacob got his, Esau's life was only about that very limited season. But Jacob, because of that birthright got connected to something that was beyond his lifetime. It was beyond just a few years of pleasure and enjoyment. Do you want to just have a moment of temporal pleasure and enjoyment? Or are you hungry for God to bring you into something that is going to have eternal value, eternal consequences, not only for you individually, but for those around you? No, the term birthright is not really used with regards to him, but in principle, I think it's a similar thing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23, as the scripture is telling us all the things that were accomplished by faith, it gets to Moses and it says this, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw He was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, rather than being the son of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter and everything that would provide that 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 would provide him he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect Unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses could have like Jacob. Or excuse me like Esau. When it was time to make a decision for which direction he was going to go. He could have like Esau chosen what seemed to be the best thing for the moment. Y'all must have worshipped yourselves out. I'm getting a whole bunch of blank stares. (laughs) I forget, recently I just used these verses just within the last couple of weeks, but here we are again. 
Moses is given this, he's given two choices. Continue in Pharaoh's household. If I'm not mistaken, I, I've tried to study this in the past. I, I, I think there's a chance as an adopted son of, his, of Pharaoh's daughter, he could have potentially become a Pharaoh. He, at the very least, he had a future in Pharaoh's house. All of the riches, all of the pleasures of Egypt were available to him. And the choice is, take that or choose the people that are in bondage. Take the pleasures and the riches of Egypt or give all of that up to become a slave. The Bible says that he realized that what Egypt had was just for a moment. It was just for a season. But what the children of Israel had was a birthright. That even though they were currently living in bondage, even though they were in a state of which their lives were very miserable and things were getting even worse, Moses understood, I see where they are right now, but I also got an idea of where they're going. They may be suffering right now, but there's going to be some victory in the future. They may be in bondage right now, but they've got a promise of deliverance that's coming. I've come to challenge somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight. Don't make up your mind. Don't make your decision based on what seems to be best for the moment. But you need to figure out which one of my options is the one that has the birthright attached to it because it may not be the best case scenario right now. But when God gets through doing what He's going Going to do when the end of the story is finally written, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I gotta, I'm gonna have to go through some waiting, I'm gonna have to go through some isolation. Esau got what he had, brother Barr, and got to stay home. He got to stay surrounded by family. And again, I know part of it was his doing, but nevertheless, the birthright that Jacob got caused him to have to go away from his family for a while. If you do not embrace some seasons of isolation in your life, if you're not willing to embrace some seasons of loneliness in your life, you will never experience the fulfillment of the birthright. I thank God for our opportunities to come together and have church. I thank God for Sunday morning and Sunday night and Thursday night. I, I thank God for Go Conference and Youth Camp and North American Youth Congress and Pause and Call to War and everything else you can put on that list. I, I thank God for 
those things. But there are places that God calls each one of us to that you will never get to those places only in a crowd. You're going to have to get driven away from everybody. You're going to have to spend some time alone. But if you've got a hold on that birthright, you can rest assured, I might have to spend some seasons in isolation. I may have to spend some times in loneliness. It may seem like a delay, but it's all a part of the process. And when it's all said and done, I am going to lay hold of the fulfillment. How many people, how many people have walked away from God, given up their walk with God because they were provided options? And one option provided immediate gratification, immediate satisfaction, immediate joy. And the other option meant it was going to be delayed. It was going to be somewhere down the road. I'd be surprised if there isn't an adult, older, middle to older age adult in this room that can't think back to your teenage years and the amount of money you wasted that you'd think if I had it to do over again, I would have saved a whole lot more money. Why? Because there was a new pair of shoes. Didn't need them. Wanted them. There was a new gaming system. The new phone had to have it, got to have it, got to get it. Just spending, spending, spending. I know I've looked back a few times and thought, man, if I'd have just been a little wiser. I mean, I still would have spent it by now. But I probably would have spent it on something a little more valuable. But because I was caught up in the moment. Paul says it this way. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal. They're temporary. And the things which are not seen are eternal. Somehow, you've got to learn to walk with God looking at what can't be seen. You've got to learn how to walk with God looking at those things that your natural eye cannot see because those are the things that are going to last. Because if you get caught up looking at the things you can see, you may achieve some of those things, but they are temporal. They are not going to last. They're going to be temporarily in your life. Oh, there's some things, and I'm preaching to some people tonight with a birthright. I'm preaching to some folks in this place tonight. You've got a birthright. Unfortunately, from one perspective, some of you I'm preaching to tonight, you're in that phase where it doesn't seem like that birthright is producing a whole lot right now. What good is it? 
What's the value of it? I'm not seeing the benefit from it. I'm not seeing any real difference in my life versus others. In fact, what I see in some other lives looks better and more enjoyable than my life. But oh, my friend, if you can just hang on and realize sometimes there's a delay in the fulfillment. It's really not a delay. It feels like it. It seems like it from our perspective. But it's really not a delay. It's just a part of the process. It's just a part of the way God develops. And I think one of the reasons for that is it's a part of the, it's a part of the way of God putting us to the test. Because like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna walk up to you and entrust you with some precious valuable of mine if I have not found you to be trustworthy. God's no different than us. Why should God walk around giving out anointings and giftings and ministries and and powerful authority to people and they haven't proven that they're going to be good stewards and trustworthy? And so sometimes the waiting... And the process of waiting is God finding out how much does it matter to you. Because if it matters enough to you to make up your mind, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to throw in the towel and decide it's never going to happen. And sometimes it's in that waiting that you are proving to God what you have for me is valuable enough. I'm willing to go through whatever I've got to go through. I'm willing to do whatever I've got to do to receive and experience all that you have for me. We sing, we don't sing it, I I quote it every now and then. He's an on-time God, yes he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He, he may not give you the benefits of your birthright the moment you want it. He may not give you the benefits of your birthright when you want it. But if you will just trust Him, and you will just trust the guarantee of that birthright, those things that you're believing for, those things that God has put down deep inside of you, they're going to happen. And don't let others who are going about things a cheaper way, an easier way, who are getting fulfillment and satisfaction sooner than you, don't let that cause you to decide to take a wrong path. I don't, of course, he wasn't a kid. The verses I just read to you about Moses, he was 40 years old, wasn't a kid. Nevertheless, he had spent 40 years, 40 years completely inundated with Egypt, the pleasures, the wealth. He knew exactly what it had to offer. Not only did he know what it had to offer, no doubt he had experienced much of what it had to offer. And yet somehow, somehow, when given the option, Egypt, children of Israel, somehow he was able to look beyond 
where Egypt was right now. And he was able to look beyond where Israel was right now. And he realized things may be good in Egypt right now, but that's not what the outcome's going to be. And things may not look good right now for the children of Israel, but that is not what the outcome is going to be. I believe there's some people in this sanctuary tonight that you're at a similar crossroads. God's bringing you to a place of you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to take the road that seems to be the most appealing road at this moment? Am I going to take the path that seems to give me what I want the quickest? Or am I going to be willing to embrace some difficult times? Walk through some challenging seasons, but understand the end is going to be worth it. I you to bow your head, close your eyes if you would. Said it, I'm going to say it again. There's some people in this place tonight that you, you got the birthright. It belongs to you. God's grafted you in. But if you're not careful, you can do like Esau did and sell it. Trade it away because it seems to be of no value in this moment. What good is it doing me right now? I'm lonely. What good is it doing me right now? I'm, I'm isolated. What good is it doing me right now? I'm not prospering. What, what good is this birthright doing me right now? I don't see all the benefits and the blessings. Just, just hold on. It may be delayed gratification. It may be delayed satisfaction, delayed fulfillment. It, it may be delayed joy, but that birthright is worth something. That birthright is worth something. In fact, Esau, that birthright would have been worth your life if you would have died out of starvation. It would have been worth it to die with the birthright. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to invite somebody make your way down to this altar right now as a response to what the Holy Ghost is saying to you tonight. Some of you that are at that crossroads, you're at that point of deciding, am I going to Am I going to follow the path of Egypt and the riches and the benefits of Egypt or am I going to I going to take the take the road that's not the appealing road right now but in the end in the end the outcome is the outcome I want Egypt's going to give me what I want in the moment Egypt's going to give me the pleasure for the moment. I'm going to get the riches of Egypt in the moment. But they're fleeting. They're temporary. They're for a short 
season. If I'll take God's path. If I'll go God's way. I may not get it right away, but there are some there's some things that God's got that are exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. Come on, I appreciate those that have responded, but I feel like there's a few more of you that need to respond to the Holy Ghost beyond just sitting at your seat talking to Him, but as an expression, as a demonstration, you need to make your way down to this altar to present yourself to the Lord. God, I don't like the delay. I don't like the delay. It's not what I want, but I'm going to trust that this birthright I have this birthright I'm holding on to is a guarantee of what's coming. This birthright that I possess is a certainty of my future. I may not get the blessings right now. I may not get the blessings this moment, but the blessings are coming. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ia ramando lolo bose ki alala bahai. Ia ramando roboshe ye alala bokoriata bahai. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh yes, Lord, yes, Lord. If I gotta just be still and wait, I'm gonna wait, God. I'm not gonna get in the give in to the temptation of doing something and taking matters into my own hands. If I've gotta wait, I'm gonna wait. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Ayaramando lobo seki, ayaramando robo shatala bahaya. Ayaramando robo seye, ayaramo kori andala bo shatala bahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help us to trust your timing, Lord. Help us to trust the process that you take us through. Not to give up hope. Not to be afraid. But to trust. I've got a birthright. It's my guarantee. I've got a birthright and it's my guarantee. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Alamondo robo cose yalaraba. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm not turning back now. 
Oh, yes. I'm not turning back. I got my mind made up, Lord. Got my mind made up, it's your way. It's your path. It's your process. It's your timing. I'm gonna wait on you, In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning. Oh, yes. I'm going to wait, Lord. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for my season. I'm going to wait for my time, God. My times are in your hand. My times are in your hand, God. It may not feel like it sometimes. It may not seem like it sometimes. But they're in your hands, God. Ramando lo lobo shake, ramando lo lobo sataya. Y ramando robo koshe ya ramanda. Gonna wait on your direction. I'm gonna wait on your way. Gonna wait on your will, your path, God. It may not be my path. It may not be my way. But I'm gonna wait on your way. Waiting on your will, your will, not my will, but your will, Lord. Your will is far better than my will. The outcome of your will is far better than the outcome of my will. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. No matter what direction anybody else goes, I'm going to wait. No matter what path anyone else takes, I'm going to take the path that you have for me, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 